A very good morning to all of you. It's great to see you and uh, be together with you uh, in this season of the cold and of all kinds of uh, ailments that we are seeing. Uh, it is a very special pleasure to be together uh, and not be home uh, for curing some kind of disease. Well, I'm thankful to be here, and I want to share with you uh, a very heartwarming story, okay? Uh, forget about the cold, uh, and let it become warm in your hearts. Amen? I want to speak today about three friends who have partnered in agreement. And I want you to meet with these three, three friends. Well, you may say I've known them, <clears throat> I've been reading about them, uh, but today we want to look at the, these three friends in a different way and understand, you know, what makes them stand out in the Gospels of the Lord Jesus Christ and also in the building of the Church of the Lord Jesus. So I want to uh, take this time to pray. So let us uh, bow our heads and pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for your hand of protection, your hand of healing, which is upon each and every one of us. I want to pray for those who are not feeling well at this moment in time. Lord, let them recover quickly and let them gain strength wherever they are. Lord Jesus, we pray that may you open the words of your wonderful uh, gospel to our hearts, Lord, and may we be able to understand, and not just understand, but also emulate the very, the very words that we are going to learn today. <clears throat> to you be the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So, meet friends who partner in agreement. Uh, that's my subject today, and I want to take you through this as we are moving along. I want to read from the book of Mark, chapter 9 and verse 2. The Bible reads here, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah, Moses, Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Luke chapter 8, 51. I'll just give you some short uh, bites of uh, stories that we are going to consider later. Uh, the Bible says in 8, 51 of the uh, Gospel of Luke, when he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. And Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, and when they recognized the grace given to me, they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars of the house of God. 
Uh, these are the three men we want to talk about today. And these are the people who I call friends, okay, because this is what they were, who were not just friends, but who were partners, who had agreed with each other. And that's why you read about them time and again in scripture as Jesus took them along to special assignments uh, that others were not really part of. You know, sometimes you may wonder, why does uh, Jesus choose? Why does he uh, select uh, three uh, of his disciples in, into his inner circle? Uh, I want to show you the reason for that today. Okay? It's not that Jesus is like, uh, you know, uh, choosy and he's, you know, preferring some to the other. But everything that happens in life, even in our life, has a reason. And that's why it's very important that we carefully listen and understand what God is saying to us today. Now, when we look at uh, these three men, Peter, James, and John, uh, we can see there was a bonding between the three of them, which started early in their lives. Not only when Jesus called them, but even before. You know, when Jesus called disciples, he, he called uh, Peter and his brother Andrew, and then just next, he called uh, the sons of Zebedee, as they are called, that is uh, uh, James and John. And uh, the Bible tells us that uh, they were partners, especially Peter, James, and John. We don't know why Andrew, uh, you know, went his own way. Uh, he's also a disciple, yes, but uh, in the inner circle, he was not really uh, appearing. Now, this two uh, pairs of brother, they were together in the fishing business and they were working together in harmony as partners. And that's how a special bond began to form uh, in their lives. And uh, when we look at uh, what has happened uh, along the way, it's amazing how we can see uh, they have, you know, made an amazing development. Their bond was a bond of friendship, but not just of friendship, but it was a bond of, uh, of partnership, okay? And uh, partners, you know, they, they learn to combine their abilities, their objectives, and their experiences, and that's what they did. We don't know whether Peter was able to, would have been able to come back from his uh, wilderness walk, you know, when he had denied Jesus without the help of his friends. So we can see that the, these friends were there with him, and it was an amazing story. So I want to read for you the story, which had happened very early in the life of, uh, uh, you know, the gospel. Uh, and the calling that God gave to them. In Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible reads here, One day, Jesus, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowd, crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boats. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, okay, Simon and Peter is the same person, okay? 
He was Simon, but God, Jesus called him Peter later on. Okay? So, uh, Jesus was speaking from the boat. Interestingly, it has been found out, you know, that uh, when you speak from a boat from water, the sound is accelerating. It's almost like a PA system. And so, uh, Jesus knew that because, of course, he was the creator of the heavens and the earth. Long before there was a PS system that needed electricity, uh, he had a PS system that he could use in nature. And so uh, Jesus had spoken the gospel to the people, and finally he turned around to Simon and he said, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Okay, so Jesus said, okay, now we have talked now let's catch some fish, okay? And Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. So in other words, Jesus, this is a bad day today. You know, uh, this is uh, unfruitful. And if it is unfruitful in the night, uh, it will be even more unfruitful during the day, okay? So that is the argument that, that Peter has. Uh, but then he says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. So in other words, okay, I will do what you are saying, but uh, I don't have hope to catch anything. And sometimes that's what we do, isn't it? We tell Jesus what cannot work in our lives. I think we need to change our, our perception and uh, trust him what can work in our life. Trust him and believe him that what he says, he can definitely be able to do. So when they had done so, okay, so they let the, the net down, okay, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. I'm sure Peter has never had such a catch in his life. Okay. That which was declared nothing, okay? We have caught nothing the whole night. And the night is when you fish, okay? So we have caught nothing the whole night. So what will we expect during the day? And yet when they let the fish down and pulled them back in again, when they realized their nets were full, they realized they had never, never, ever in their lives had such a catch. And of course, God was teaching them a very, very important lesson. So they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, okay? They signaled their partners. Please take note of that, okay? So they, Peter had partners, okay? He was not alone. He had people he was working together with. It was just on that day, you know, that you know, he was alone with Jesus in the boat, but then when he couldn't manage to haul the whole net in, then he signaled his partners to come along. And they came and filled both boats so full that it began to sink. Okay, I mean, that was a catch. Can you imagine? That was not just a few fish, uh, but that was a catch they had never seen in their life that two boats were completely filled up. 
When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knee and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So who were their partners? James and John were partners with Simon Peter, okay? You see, when that happened, uh, Peter just realized, you know, that he was human and that he had limitations and that he was sinful, that he even fell down in front of Jesus and says, you know, I, I, I can't really be in your presence. Uh, I realize you are the son of God, okay? He didn't say that at that time. He said it later. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. What a powerful story. Okay? Let's understand that these three men became uh, a very, very big uh, uh, part in the ministry of the Lord. Hands which Christ. They were partners, they were together, they were holding hands with each, with each other. And I think it's very important that we understand that. Okay? There is power in agreement. And these people, they had agreement. There's power in friendship. Okay? And you see, they were, they were friends when they were, before they really were in ministry, before they were really called into uh, the work of the Lord, before they became apostles. But they remained friends even when they were entering ministry. And I think there is a lot of, you know, things to learn here that when we are, you know, walking together in friendship and in agreement, in partnership, you know, God can really use us in ways that otherwise is not possible. You know, when we are loners, Okay, we are just depending on ourselves. It's not, I'm not saying that God cannot use the people who are walking alone. Okay, sometimes uh, in the scriptures we see people are walking all by themselves. Uh, but then God would love people to walk together. And you see this in different scriptures. For instance, Daniel had three friends. And they were encouraging each other to do the right thing. If you go to the New Testament, you see that uh, Paul was never alone. He always had friends who were going with him. You know, Paul and Barnabas, Titus, uh, Timothy. You know, they were people who were walking with him. And I think it's very important that we understand that. So this story has a very, very important message for all of us. Okay? That we are creating or that we are forming a friendship. Okay? That we are coming together with, you know, maybe two or three people that are really uh, there for you. You, you. you can be loyal to one another. You know each other. You can be standing together in the gap uh, when anything happens. I think this is very, very powerful. Okay? When you're alone, then you very often feel that way. You know, you feel alone because, you know, things are not, things are not uh, really working out well. Okay? But when you have friends, you know, uh, like in this case, there were three friends, three partners, okay? And, and it happened that at one time or the other, one of them was down. 
But thank God, not all of the three are down. So when one is down, the other two or the other three can encourage uh, the one who is not doing fine. Okay, and we see this in the life of uh, Daniel and his friends. We see it in the life of, of Paul and his uh, friends that he was working with. You know, there is always that power of agreement that can be able to do something great. So if you're alone and you don't really have a good friend, I would advise you, find a friend or two friends or even three, okay? Uh, you know, you can say, oh, everybody's my friend. But it doesn't work that way, you know? You won't open to everybody. You will open, you know, in very intimate ways and very uh, deep ways only to very, very few people in your life. And so I want to in encourage you, you know, find somebody. You know, find one or two people in your life and build that friendship, build that agreement, build that partnership that can really be able to make a difference in your life. Just like we can see it in the life of uh, Peter, James, and John. Okay? They were together. They created a bond. Even when they were still fishing for the natural fish. But when Jesus came into their lives and says, from now on you are going to be fishers of men, they remained friends. They remained you know, keeping that bond in good order, that fellowship, that agreement that was, uh, that was really uh, visible in their lives. And uh, because that bond was so strong, it is no wonder that Jesus called them, okay, that Jesus uh, chose them to join him for certain missions that he didn't really choose anybody else for, okay? You can go through the whole of the Gospels, you will never find that Jesus chose Judas to say, okay, come and let's go and have a special experience. Or even the others, you know, uh, who were not Judas, uh, but the three of them, you know, just because they were maintaining that bond of fellowship, that maintaining that bond of love and care for one another, there was a special you know, grace upon them, a special anointing upon them, and it was really uh, making their life stick out in so many different ways. Up to now, we can read about them in the Gospels uh, of the Lord. So on different occasions, Jesus took them along, you know, the three of them. They had combined their abilities, their objectives, their experiences. They had shared goals and vision and that made them ideal partners with Jesus. Because when he took them along, they were not people who disagreed with him. They were not, there were no quarrels to say, no, maybe let me pull here. No, I'm pulling there or I'm pulling somewhere else. When they were coming together, when Jesus called them together, they were, they were together. They were one. Okay? Because they had, you know, they had, you know, been able to foster that kind of relationship for many, many years, you know, even when they were young, they were building that type of partnership together. So they learned the value of collaboration amongst themselves. And that's why they were ideal uh, companions to the Lord Jesus Christ, because when Jesus called them, they were not people who were 
beginning to speak in unbelief, but they were just following him. I mean, of course, they were still disciples. They were still making mistakes, no question about them. But there was something special in that unity that uh, they formed amongst the three of them. So this impacted their lives and their ministries, as we can see later on. Okay, the three became even pillars in the church because of that bond, because of that friendship, because of that partnership uh, that they had with each other. Now we read the story of uh, um, Jairus. Okay, the Jairus was a, was a man, he was a, a, you know, somebody who was having a high position in the, in the temple or in the synagogue. And uh, one day, his daughter became very, very sick, okay? And when that happened, you know, he decided uh, that he would follow the call that uh, Jairus gave to him. And interesting, and interestingly, okay, he did not go alone. Interestingly, you know, even Jesus was not a loner. He was always looking for people who would join him. And uh, even today, Jesus is looking for people who join him. Okay, that's why he's calling people. So let me read that story. I've read already a part of it uh, in the book of Mark, but let me go into the book of... Um, into the book of Mark once again. Mark chapter 5, verse 35. And the Bible reads here, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Okay, you know, uh, if you read that story, you'll find that there was a big commotion when Jesus arrived on, uh, the, on the shore of the lake and everybody wanted to pull him, everybody had a prayer request or whatever, you know, and everybody had a, a need. And so there were people all around him. And then this man, Jairus, came to him and says, my daughter is sick. But then, again, uh, there was an incident of this lady who was, had, had an issue of blood, and she came and touched the garment of the Lord Jesus Christ, so he delayed the whole, the whole procession. And of course, you can imagine Jairus, who had this big need of his daughter, who was very sick. He was uh, standing by, hoping that everything would come to an end quickly and uh, Jesus would come to his house. But as they are finally turning to walk towards the house, uh, people came from home and they says, forget about it, you know, don't bother them. Okay. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow, ex follow him except Peter, James, and John. Okay, this was a very delicate mission. Huh? You, you're visiting a house. Uh, okay, the call was that you're praying for somebody who's sick, but before you are even reaching anywhere near, you're getting the message, she's dead. 
Okay? Now, that was a very delicate mission. And, and Jesus said to the father, don't be afraid, just believe. That's a powerful message, isn't it? And so he continued, and he didn't allow anybody to follow him except Peter, James, and John. Okay? These were the three people who had a bond. These people who were living in agreement with each other. These people who were really, uh, you know, in a position to trust the Lord, even in the face of this. And that's powerful. You know, just the selection of these three men tells us that Jesus didn't just want to have anybody as his companions. He wanted to have people who understood agreement. Okay? You see, Jesus himself understood or understands agreement very well because he's in agreement with the Father and he's in agreement with the Holy Spirit. You know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been in agreement from, from you know, eternity past. And Jesus knows and understands the power that is there in agreement. And that's why he calls these three disciples who had formed that bond of agreement, that bond of partnership, that bond of friendship amongst each other. And he says, the three of you, you come along. Okay? Not that they had to do anything. As you can see later on in the story, they didn't have to do anything uh, in order to make this girl come to life, but they were a backup, okay? And I think it's very important that we realize that God wants to have us as a backup and also to see the mighty miracles that he is doing. And so Jesus allows these three disciples to come along and to become witnesses of what is going to happen in that room where there was a sick girl that died. Okay? And it's important that we realize that. So let me continue reading a few more verses. Okay, verse 36 says, Jesus ignored the message they brought. She's dead. Okay? Sometimes we must learn to ignore some messages. Okay? Not every message that uh, people are giving you should be taken for, uh, for, for, for granted, you know? It should be taken for real value. Jesus did not listen to that message. Okay? If he did, he would have said, oh, then what can we do? Because this is final. Okay? And very often that's what we do, you know? We, we look at the message and we, we, we hear a message and it, 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 it gives us doubts. Question marks. But Jesus got that message and he ignored that message. And instead told the father, don't be afraid, just believe. Now this is hard. I can, I can understand if some of you are saying, mm, how can that be possible? Okay. How can that happen? So he did not let, not, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of uh, uh, Peter, James, and John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, 
Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Okay? But they laughed at him. Okay? From mourning to loving, very short distance, huh? Very interesting, okay? The people who were supposed to cry and mourn, they began to laugh, you know? Because uh, maybe in their hearts they were saying, do you think we don't know the difference between somebody who is sleeping and somebody who is dead? Okay, so they laughed. But Jesus is Jesus. He sees beyond what is in front of our human eyes. He sees even beyond death itself. After he put them all out, okay, very interesting now, Jesus did something very trusting, okay? Because these people were occupying the whole house and there was wailing and there was crying and there was maybe singing of songs. Uh, uh, Jesus said, okay, I don't need you here. Okay, he wanted to create an atmosphere of faith, not of uh, unbelief. So he was telling them to leave the house. Okay, he took charge. Okay, and of course the father and the mother, they, they were so much in, in tears, so much in pain about their daughter. They, 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 they were not in charge, but Jesus took charge. And all of them had to go out because Jesus wanted only to have three people with him. Peter, James, and John. The people who had seen what Jesus could do in the past and the people who trusted him, the people who would not argue with him, the people who would not laugh when he says, this girl is just sleeping. Okay? Now these were just human beings, just as, as we are, but they were disciples who had learned many wonderful things in the company of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they stayed. And Jesus went into the room with these three disciples, the father and the mother, and of course the father and the mother, all they wanted is to see their child being healed. So they were not arguing with Jesus. So Jesus went in where the child was, and he took her by the hand and said to her, Talita Kumi, which means little, ch little girl, I say to you, get up. Okay? I don't think he was using a, a, a voice of loud authority. You know, sometimes people think the louder they shout, the more authority they have. This was a little girl coming from the sleep. Okay, and, and all he did, Jesus did, he was saying to her in a normal voice, not in a shouting voice, but in a normal voice, Talita Kumi, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, hello, Immediately, there was a response, okay? He didn't have to say it again and again and again, but immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old, okay? This girl, she was not even remaining on the bed. You know, when she was asked, little girl, get up, she immediately got up, walk, came off the bed and walked around. I mean, this is amazing, isn't it? A 12-year-old girl. Interestingly, uh, the lady that was healed a little earlier from the issue of blood was actually sick for 12 years as well. 
So something happened 12 years ago, okay? There was a girl born to that uh, home of uh, Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, and there was that lady who got sick on that, on that same time, at that same time. The Bible says here, at this, they were completely astonished. I mean, wouldn't you also be astonished if there is a dead person lying on a bed and somebody comes in and says, wake up, wake up, and immediately the girl wakes up and walks around. So everybody was completely astonished. I don't know who was astonished because it doesn't say so, okay? It says they were completely astonished. I think that was the mom and dads, okay? And probably even the three disciples because, wow, this was something again they had not seen before, okay? And you know, Jesus wanted these three disciples to be with him, to be witnesses. Because, you know, some of the things that were happening in the life of Jesus, some of this, the, the, the miracles that Jesus did, uh, they would not have been known if they were not witnesses. And so Jesus took them as witnesses so that they could be able to see what was happening. So Jesus says, he said, the Bible says here, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So Jesus was actually concerned about the well-being of this girl after she came from a long sleep. Let us let call it like this, huh? Uh, so she came, got up, and she said, don't tell anybody. But obviously, everybody knew, isn't it? Because can you imagine that uh, these people who were wailing and crying uh, a few minutes ago, you know, maybe half an hour ago, and they were now outside sitting, waiting, what is going to come about this uh, man who, who declares that this girl is sleeping when we know she has died? And all of a sudden, they see them walking out of the house, all of them, okay? Mom and dad with the girl together, rejoicing, you know? Uh, they were, they must have been shocked in disbelief. So Jesus said, don't, don't tell anybody. They, actually, nobody needed to be told because they all, they all got the message very, very simply by just seeing that girl walking around, okay? so. Let's understand, Jesus did a mighty miracle and he wanted Peter, James, and John, those three people who had a special bond, a special agreement with each other to be there and to be first-hand witnesses of what the Lord Jesus Christ did in the life of this girl. And you know, that is really very, very powerful. It's not by accident. You know, Jesus came probably with all of his disciples. They were uh, waiting behind what is going to happen, you know. But Jesus said, only these three should come with me. And I believe it's because they had that special bond of agreement. Those who were having that friendship that were taken along. And I believe it's very important for us to form such kind of friendships, such kind of bonds in our lives. Because, you know, as much as we are important, every single one of us, as much as God has given us gifts and talents and abilities, 
But if you combine your gifts and abilities and talents with somebody else, you have another set of abilities, another set of you know, eyes that can see things that you can maybe overlook. And that's what Jesus wants to show us here. Once again, Jesus decided to take these three disciples with him for a very, very special experience. Let me read from the book of Matthew. Okay, again, I read one, one short sentence in the intro. Okay. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. Okay. John, the brother of James. Okay, sometimes there's an explanation. Also, they, there were two or three of them, like James's. There were quite a number of them. And the John, of course, were so many, like John the Baptist and so on. So after six days, Jesus took with him, Peter, James, and John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Okay, what was the reason for the three of them to be chosen to go up to a high mountain with Jesus? Again, you know, Jesus expected some very, very special encounter with his father. Okay? And he wanted to have people who were able to witness that, okay? And of course, the obvious joys were on the people who were in agreement with each other, okay? Jesus did not take all of the 12. He only took the three of them, okay? If he took all of the 12, then even Judas would have been there. So no, he chose the three of them because they had that bond. They had that friendship. They had that partnership. They had that spirit of being together in oneness. And so he led them on that high mountain. And the Bible says in verse 2, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Now, what does it mean to be transfigured? Okay? Transfigured does not mean being transformed. But transfigured means that from one moment to another, you are appearing in a different way. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus, you know, because Jesus was, uh, you know, given instruction by his father because Jesus did not do anything unless the father told him. So Jesus was called by his father to go up on the mountain and to meet him. Don't forget Jesus was human just like we are. And when he prayed, he prayed exactly like we are, you know, he, he prays, uh, waiting for a response, but he doesn't see the father in front of him like, you know, he comes down to earth. No, he was just praying, just like we are doing it. But on that particular day, the father said, I want to do something special in your life. And so Jesus went up on the mountain, again calling these three disciples, because he knew something special was going to happen and he wanted to have these three witnesses with him. We would never have known anything about that experience if Jesus would not have taken these three men with him. Isn't it? But because they were there, that's why we know about it. And so the Bible tells us that Jesus was transfigured. Now he became 
who he really was. Okay, now he was the son of Mary and Joseph, you know, and as such, everybody knew him as the carpenter's son, okay? He was human, just like we are. But he was also the son of God. And most of the people never realized that. Okay, it took long for Peter uh, at one time to come and have the revelation to uh, tell Jesus after he had asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now on that day, up on the mountain, okay, that's when Jesus met with his father. Now the father is not visible, you know, but the power of God, the light of God, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, it was all displayed in, in that moment when Jesus was transfigured. His face shone like the sun. Okay, I mean, all of us know, most of us, I'm sure we have looked at the sun at one time or the other. You know, when we are children, we are, we are trying to look at the sun, but you can't look at the sun. Am I right? I mean, just try it and look at the sun for, for five minutes, you get blind. So we all look at the sun for a moment and immediately we are going to look somewhere else. And the Bible tells us that his face was shining like the sun. And I believe even more bright because the sun is just physical. But what was shining there was the life of God through Christ in a very, very powerful way. And not only that his face was shining, okay, now, even his clothes became as white as the light. Okay, now imagine now I've got the black trousers and now a choir today had, was in black, isn't it? And all of a sudden all the, the clothing becomes white, shining like light. Okay? I mean, this is something that we cannot imagine. You have to be there to see it. And, and the disciples were, these three disciples were taken along so that they could see it. So they were there to witness that white light, okay, that transfigured the Lord Jesus Christ. Just then, they appeared before the Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now that was truly something else, okay? Uh, I don't know how they recognized uh, Elijah and Moses, but probably because they were very good students of the word of God, they must have recognized. You know, it must have been so obvious that this is Moses and this is Elijah. Okay? And then they began, you know, Moses and Elijah began to speak to Jesus. Actually, they didn't even notice that these three guys were also there, okay, who were watching. Because for them, they came to speak to Jesus. Now understand that uh, Moses and Elijah were people who were prophets of God, okay? Even Moses was called a prophet, and at one time the Bible says, a prophet like Moses, God will raise up, and that was Jesus, okay? So Moses was speaking uh, of the things that he had seen on the mountain of God, and he came to speak to Jesus at that very moment in time, just like Elijah, who was a great prophet of God, and uh, they were speaking to Jesus. In one of the Gospels, he says, they spoke about the outcome of the work of Jesus 
in Jerusalem. Because, of course, they knew. Okay, some of you, you may scratch your head and say, ah, what about the people who have departed? Are, still, are they still appearing here on earth? Well, you know, there may be sometimes these extraordinary experiences like in this particular situation. Because even those who have departed are not dead. Okay, those who are, who are uh, departing in the Lord, they're alive. Okay, they are not, they are not gone. You know, sometimes you look at somebody in a coffin and, uh, you know, people cry and think, my friend is gone, and uh, that's it. But this was just a body, okay? Just a physical body. And the Bible tells us very clearly that when the physical body is being put back into the ground, because that was uh, the rule that God had set, that from earth you are taken to earth, you shall return, okay? But then we will be clothed with a new garment, okay? We get a new body. And that is a, a spiritual body. But, you know, it is still such a body that you can be recognized, okay? It is not some kind of body that is all alike, everybody looks alike. No, do you know that even angels have character? Even angels are different in their personality. You know, angels, some of them are described in, in amazing ways. And so, of course, we are, you know, unique in every way. And we will remain unique even if we are leaving this world, okay? So, our life in Christ is going to remain forever and ever. It will not come to an end, it will be always there. And so, when Moses and Elijah turned up, of course, they were sent by the father himself. So, the father said, okay, Moses, Elijah, I want to see my son today. Please come along, join me. And, uh, of course, there was that powerful light. There was this, this amazing transfiguration, that amazing experience of, 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 of the presence of God Almighty. But then there was also Moses and there was Elijah. And they talked about the outcome of the life of Jesus. Because Jesus came to be the Savior, and both of them, Moses and Elijah spoke about the Savior that was to come, that was to lay down his life. I mean, look at the, Isaiah 53, for instance, where Jesus is being described word for word, very accurately, about what would happen. And that happened, okay? The righteous Lamb of God carried away the sin of the world. And here he was, Isaiah, this time, not speaking about what would happen 700 years in the future, but seeing Christ putting into practice all of the things that he had been prophesying about. That was amazing. And so these two men spoke about uh, those things with Jesus. Now, we don't know how long it took. I think even the three of them, they, don't know, they didn't know how long it took because uh, they went... They, they, they went off, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't stand the glory that was there at that moment in time. Okay, let me just read. Okay, as they appeared, Peter, Peter thought he had also to add something to the conversation. And he said, Jesus, Lord, 
he said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one, of course, for you. Okay, so Moses, uh, Peter was not selfish. He didn't even want to have a shelter for himself. You know, he says, uh, three shelters is good enough. One for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Amazing, isn't it? He meant well, but he was mistaken, very mistaken, because Jesus didn't need a shelter. He has uh, more than what you can ever imagine. Okay, so while he was still speaking, okay, actually he was interrupting the conversation of Moses and Elijah with Jesus. While he was still speaking, you know, a bright, a bright, cloud enveloped them and a voice from the cloud said this is my son whom I love with him I'm well pleased listen to him so if the voice said this is my son okay then obviously the father was there isn't it the father was revealing himself in this very moment and praise God these three disciples who had, you know, been privileged to experience that wonderful <coughs> moments, these wonderful moments up on the mountain. After they had listened to what God said, okay, this is the, my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased, listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell down on the ground, terrified. Okay, so we, we, we don't know exactly for how long they were on the ground, for how long they were resting in the spirit, we have no idea, you know. But eventually after Jesus finished his business with Moses and Elijah, he came back to them and uh, he touched them and said, get up, don't be afraid. Now, this is powerful, you know. They, they, they were really, you know, getting off. This, this was too much for them to bear. This glory was so great that they couldn't really stand it. And then Jesus came back. This time he was again the son of man. Okay? He was again human, just like they were. He touched them. He said, get up. Don't be afraid. From now on, okay, when they looked when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Okay, so it was not that they were not about to tell anybody about it, but they had to wait until Jesus would have to be finished with the work that he came to do on us. Okay? Until the work is done, then you can write it down. And that's why we have it today. If these three people, these three disciples were not on the mountain, we wouldn't know about it, okay? But we know about it because they experienced it, they went through this experience, and they told us about it. This is very, very powerful. So let's understand that being together in oneness 
is very powerful. You know, the problem is that we human beings, we have a little, you know, problem with ourselves. We are very selfish. We're self-centered. We think it's me, myself, and I. Okay? And that doesn't go away necessarily when you are born again. Okay? You have to work on it. You have to be transformed. Okay? And as long as that kind of spirit is there, God has a limit in what he can do with us and through us. Okay? And that's why it is important that we learn to be not self-centered, but other people-centered. And that's what you learn in relationship. You know, when you are bonding with friends, good friends, you are, you are coming to the end of yourself because you are also seeing the other. Okay? There may not be many. There may only be two or three, you know, but you are now no longer just thinking about yourself. You are thinking about us, our group. What can we do together? And that's powerful, okay? And that's what God wants to teach us, that we are not selfish, that we are not self-centered, that we are not just looking about ourselves, but that we are learning to be in partnership. And I want to encourage you, forge such kind of a partnership, okay? A partnership in which you can share anything and everything, okay? Now you say, I can't share certain things to anybody, not even to my wife or to my husband, okay? And that's that, you know, that means you are actually just by yourself, okay? You are just by yourself. I can tell you, if you are in a, in a relationship, if you are in a small group, there is amazing things that you can do, okay? And look at me, you know? I'm not alone. You can see mom here, and you can see some people who are even here right now. And we have been together for years and years and years, and that's why we could do what we have done. I could not have done these things alone. If you, if you look at me and say, Pastor has done that, no, forget about it. It's us who have done it, you know? In a group, as a, as a small group of, 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 of disciples, who have bonded together, just like Peter, James, and John. And that's why they could be so powerful in what they were able to achieve. Let me quickly take you to another moment in the life of Jesus. It's found in other Gospels as well, but I want to read it from the book of Mark. And the Bible tells us here, they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Okay, so all the disciples went to this garden of Gethsemane and he said, let's pray. Okay, this is a dark hour. This was an hour of, 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 of great, uh, uh, you know, calamity. And for Jesus, it was something terrible to go through. Because this was his most intensive time to battle evil. But not only evil, he had even to battle with his own will, okay? Because he was praying, not my will, but your will be done. Okay, so all the disciples come to uh, this garden of Gethsemane, and verse 33, the Bible says, he took Peter, 
James and John. Who did he take? The three guys, okay? Those who were together in harmony, those who were together in agreement, those who were partners, those who were friends. Hey, there's power in friendship. Amen? There's power in friendship. There's power in oneness. So he took them along with him and he began to, to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is to, to these three, no point of this, he said to them. So the three of them, you know, Jesus opened himself to, to these three, not to everybody, but to the three. And he told them, my, my soul is overwhelmed. I'm distressed up to this. Okay, that's amazing. <clears throat> Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell on the ground, to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And we know this happened three times, okay? So, you know, there comes a limit to what even we as human beings can do. You know, the salvation was not uh, brought to us by disciples. It was brought to us by the Son of God. Even in that hour, you know, I mean, Jesus took them along because they were somehow, uh, uh, you know, a support for him. He could share with them. He could tell them, you know, I'm deeply, deeply troubled, troubled to death. But they still couldn't help him because when it came to salvation, flesh and blood could not help. And these three men, as uh, great as they were, uh, they were in their calling from the world into the world of God, they could not still help him, even you know, when he was in that hour of trouble. So Jesus was in a moment of decision-making. And in this moment of decision-making, nobody could be standing on his side. He had to make this decision alone. So the hour of testing did not just pass without him yielding totally and completely to the hands of the Father and says, not my will, but your will be done. Amazing. So while the disciples were a little further, you know, they were overpowered by sleep and Jesus did the work for all of us by himself. The savior is not Jesus plus, that Jesus alone has given us salvation. Amen? Nevertheless, it is very remarkable that Jesus took these three disciples with him in this very, very intimate hour where finally the decision was taken for him to go to the cross and lay down his life for all of us. This is amazing. While they could not help him in these moments, and of course Jesus knew they could not help him, they were formed 
to be tools for the kingdom of God. And let me just read again uh, this scripture in the book of Galatians where the Bible tells us James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. And that's a powerful word. Okay, now this was later, okay, much later. When Jesus had finally laid down his life, when he rose again, when he went back to the Father, when the day of Pentecost came, when the church began to, to rise, and, and, and these were leaders in the, in the church. They were pillars in the church. Okay? Those who used to be friends and partners in fishing, they now became friends and partners in building and directing the kingdom of God. That's amazing. Amazing. They stayed on course, despite the shaking that was there in between. Like we know that uh, uh, Peter was denying his Lord three times, but he came back, and I believe his friends helped him. And then God used him in a mighty way. You know, on the day of Pentecost, it was Peter who stood, representing all of the 12, but especially the three speaking the word of God, and many people got saved. And when finally also had this came to know the Lord because Paul had, a, had, had this experience on the way to Damascus where he was trying to, you know, to, to persecute the believers, and Jesus came to appear to him and said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he was transformed, he was changed. From Saul, he became Paul. But then, of course, everybody knew him as a, as a Pharisee who was persecuting the people, okay? How would he be able to be integrated into the body of Christ? But thank God, there were ways. And eventually, he was taken to Jerusalem, meeting with the pillars in the house of God, okay? James, Peter, and John. And they gave him the right hand of fellowship. Isn't that powerful? So you can see that these three people play a very, very, very important role in the life of uh, the beginning of the church. Of course, all of the disciples who became apostles apart from Judas. They eventually went and preached the gospel in so many different places. And when you look at these three, they had an outstanding role in the leadership of the church. Why? Because they were having partnership, friendship. They had an agreement. They were bonding together. And it gave them power that was able to do mighty and powerful things in the kingdom of God. And so, brothers and sisters, let's understand. God is challenging us to build such kind of unison, such kind of friendship, such kind of fellowship, you know, 
If you don't know who could be the person that you can bond with, ask the Lord. You know, ask the Lord to bring somebody into your life and begin to open up, you know, begin to share, you know. Learn to build partnership and friendship because it's very powerful, okay? Like I said in the beginning, you know, Paul always was with a team. He was never alone. He was one of the greatest and mightiest apostles, but he was not alone. And Peter, I mean, Paul takes a lot of effort to speak about the people who were with him, okay? Sometimes he has a whole list of people who were playing a role in his life and in his ministry. But of course, there were some who were very close, just like Peter, James, and John. There was Paul, yes, there was Barnabas, there was Timothy, there was Titus. These were people who were bonding together. And that's why they were able to accomplish and achieve the great things that the book of Acts has given us report about. And you know, the book of Acts is not finished. It's still written, only that we can't have it here. Otherwise, the book would be very, very huge. But it's written in heaven, okay? And wouldn't it be great that one day there would be a group of three and you are one of them. And God is writing about you, what you have been able to accomplish as people who are in agreement, as people who are walking together in friendship, as people who are partners amongst themselves and with God. May God give you grace that you can build such kind of a relationship because it's very, very special. Also, when you are under pressure, when you are attacked, you always have somebody to share with. You're not alone. And I tell you, this is worth a lot. I feel pity for the people who have to stand alone when the, when the hour of temptation comes, when the devil is striking in one way or the other. Don't be alone. Find people you can share with you can be in agreement with, you can bond together with. You can understand as they understand you. May God bless you. <clears throat> Pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for this powerful lesson that we have seen today in the lives of Peter, James, and John, how they have been, become intimate with each other, how they have been building a partnership and friendship, and how they were staying together throughout the time as they were walking with Jesus. They were bonding closer and closer together. And even after Jesus had left, they were the pillars in the house of God. Something that started in a small way when they were still going fishing. So Lord Jesus, help us that we build such kind of a relationship and relationships that is giving us strength, that is giving us the ability to withstand even the most difficult challenges that we are facing in our life. To you be the glory and the honor. And everyone 
Say amen. Amen.